Hello, Duck fans! Welcome to a Thursday edition of the show. It's May 14th, and I want to start out by thanking the frontline workers out there, those of you healthcare workers in the hospitals and healthcare facilities, keeping people alive and taken care of to the best of your ability. Really appreciate it. And for those of you keeping the grocery shelves stocked and manning cash registers so the rest of us can uh, have something to eat and supplies while we're stuck at home, really appreciate everyone doing their part. Really appreciate you listeners out there tuning in. Couldn't do the show without you. Uh, today we're going to be doing hashtags Know Your Ducks, and we're going to be kicking it off with James Voss from jamesvoss.net. We're going to be wrapping up the tight ends group. Remember, we started that last Friday, and then moving on to the offensive line. Now, for the rest of uh, next week, we got a new schedule I'm going to try and implement. Uh, we're going to do basketballs on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and James Voss and I will be breaking down the position groups on Wednesdays and Fridays. Uh, tomorrow, James Voss is back to finish the offensive line. And then next week is What If Week on Locked On. And that is, we sort of ask what if scenarios. So go ahead and send in some suggestions. You know, for example, what if there was no, have been no coronavirus in the NCAA tournament? Uh, what if Chip Kelly stayed in Oregon? The, these kinds of things. So tune in for that. We're going to be kicking it off with McCormick Mondays. But for now, let's switch it on. <laughs> You have too much to give to stay silent. That's what he said. That's what he believed. That's what he lived. The American in front, almost a cult in the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Now wait a minute. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome to Locked On Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and you can always find me on Twitter at TheDustOffGuy. You can always send in questions and comments to the show using the hashtags AskLodPod, that's hashtags AskLodPod. Follow us on our Facebook page, and you can always send in emails to LockedOnDucks at gmail.com. Click, rate, subscribe, or follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And go ahead and leave a five out of five stars review and a show review. I'd really appreciate it. This segment and every segment in the month of May is brought to you by Built Bar. Check them out at BuiltBar.com and get $10 off your first box with the promo code Locked On. Now, on to the action. All right, I'm here with James Voss from JamesVoss.net, writer, blogger, and contributor to Ots and Zoo and Blazer's Edge. You can uh, find him on Twitter at Who's the Voss. How you doing, James? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back on, Jordan. Always exciting. Really enjoy this breakdown, and I really enjoy these particular position groups. I think tight ends are really fun. Uh, this is where you start to get into a lot of two-way players and in high school or th even three-way players in the case of, uh, uh, spoiler alert, Patrick Herbert. We'll talk about that in a sec. But uh, before we really dive into the tight ends, depth chart, and uh, reviews and breakdowns, I was going to start with Jacob Breeland. We spent a lot of time talking about him on this show. He was an undrafted rookie free agent uh, picked up by the Ravens. And uh, we no longer have Matt Mariota, 6'2", 248 pounds in high school. He redshirted here 2015, 2016, 17, saw it, no action, and was primarily a special teamer in 2018. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he it's uh, Matt came in as uh, uh, stepping into a pretty large shadow in terms of Marcus Mariota being his older brother. He missed him by a year when he decided to come here and walk on. But mm -hmm. as you noted, he, he started... Uh, pretty big, 248. 
came in as a linebacker and then slowly but surely shed off uh, 40 pounds and ended up in the tight end position, tight end role, uh, and played a lot of special teams, uh, played a lot of scout team, uh, never really obviously saw the same kind of on the field in Austin Stadium glory that his older brother did, but not many people not anybody <laughs> not many has, do, ever, right? yeah. has ever found that kind of glory and and uh, uh, certainly a beloved name in Eugene and and he'll be missed. Yeah, and uh, we also are losing Ryan Bay, 6'3", 237, local boy from Tigard. He was actually going to play basketball first. He redshirted in 2015 and then 2016 uh, played in a couple games, including on special teams. And then 2017 played 10 games, had two catches for 20 yards. And then the season before last had four starts, but played in all 13 games, had nine receptions for 74 yards. And then last season played in all 13 games, had five receptions for 54 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, Ryan Bay, as just a name and as a guy who's been around, who had been on the program for, for the four years that he was, it felt like, and this is probably totally wrong, it felt like he never dropped the pass in, in your mind. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. seemed like whenever he was targeted, uh, he was going to catch the ball whenever he was on the field, even if it wasn't a ton, uh, because he was playing around uh, guys like Jacob Breland. But uh, uh, definitely just just a reliable name and and uh, program presence for a long time. Yeah, I do like that that term, old reliable, especially when we're talking about um, this very important position group where it's been really good to have uh, uh, solid contributions over the course of the last three or four years. Uh, let's go ahead and, and move on to, uh, and I'm calling it a depth chart, but there's a lot, a lot of influx here in the offseason, mm-hmm. but we're going to do uh, some reviews and breakdowns. We did talk about Hunter Campmoyer and Cam McCormick on last uh, last Friday's show, and now friends of the podcast, uh, thanks for following the show and uh, and liking the tweets, guys. Really appreciate it. Is there anything you wanted to add to that conversation? I think um, uh, there's an interesting piece out uh, that actually just uh, came out this morning on Cam McCormick on uh, how he's uh, dealt with not only the leg injury from last season, but uh, the season before uh, and, and even uh, in 2016 when he came in, uh, he, he dealt with the, some of those uh, uh, the, some of the players were hospitalized through some workouts. And uh, that was a huge thing, huge deal in the early parts of Willie Taggart's career and right. early part of his tenure. Yeah, he was at part Oregon. of that lawsuit, right? Yeah. Well, uh, he's actually the one who isn't uh, the one of the three who isn't oh, okay. uh, suing. But uh, he stuck with the program despite all the adversity that he's faced. And uh, I'm excited to see him step into probably or possibly we'll talk about the starter role. Um, at least a significant role in that veteran tight end position. Absolutely. Let's start. Um, th- these are in um, somewhat in the order that they were on your blog. Uh, we, t- we talked about uh, DJ Johnson and having to uh, kind of how he switched over the tight end position. So we'll talk about him a little later in the show. But first up, I have Spencer Webb, uh, sophomore, 606, 251 pounds, Big man, four-star composite recruit from Christian Brothers High School down in Sacramento. He was a two-way player in high school. And uh, as a defensive lineman, he played in 27 out of 27 possible games and had 57 total tackles, 18 for a loss, eight sacks, seven QB hurries, two forced fumbles. And as a tight end in playing all 27 games, he had 102 receptions for 1,723 yards and 28 touchdowns. He 
was the 11th tight end in the nation per 24-7 sports, had offers from Notre Dame, Oklahoma, UCLA, Cal, Florida State, it just et cetera, you know, a, a kind of a laundry list there, enrolled at the University of Oregon in June of 2018. And in his freshman year, he appeared in two games at the end of the season. And then he was a redshirt freshman last season, played in 12 games, had 18 receptions for 209 yards and three touchdowns. I think say all you need to say about this guy by or see all you need to see when you see that jump ball uh, touchdown in the first quarter versus Auburn last year. Absolutely. And that was very much Spencer Webb announcing that he was going to be a uh, significant target. Uh, uh, he's super fun. He admittedly, he came into the program with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, a little bit of swagger. Uh, but, uh, he told a story about how Justin Herbert kind of, kind of told him to shape up and, and took himself a little more seriously. And he's really stepped into the program, both in personality and attitude and in on the field productivity. Yeah, really excited to to see his performance going forward. Hopefully, we get to see see some type of breakout year. Uh, we're going to talk about Patrick Herbert next, but but first, I do want to take a second to talk about Built Bar. I can't stop with these things. I, I just got another box uh, from BuiltBar.com. They taste like a candy bar, but they're loaded with protein and actually healthy. I've been sneaking them to my son as desserts like he's getting a candy bar and you know like i mentioned on the show before i'm doing my part for covid19 by not going to the gym uh but i do keep a box right here in the studio because uh during show prep i tend to lose track of time and don't eat so it's a really nice way to uh, have a delicious snack they have 16 flavors eight chocolate flavors with nuts eight chocolate flavors without nuts which are uh, produced in two separate facilities to prevent cross-contamination Today I had the peanut butter brownie, and I'm not normally not a now. Hopefully I don't lose any 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 listeners out there, but I'm not a peanut butter and chocolate guy. But I'll tell you what, this thing was was absolutely delicious. Uh, 170 uh, calories, 20 grams of proteins, uh, seven grams of fibers, and three grams of sugar. I tasted like I was having uh, a fudge brownie. It was freaking fantastic. They're satisfying, delicious. Check them out on Twitter at bar underscore built. Remember to go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back. This is your host, Jordan, and this is Locked On Ducks, and I'm here with James Voss from jamesvoss.net, and we're talking the tight ends group. But uh, before we get on to Patrick Herbert, I do want to make sure you get a chance to check in with other great Locked On podcasts. Whatever your favorite pro team is or favorite sport, just search your podcast player for that sport or team, and Locked On will pop right up. Take advantage of the network of connections we have access to. So we talked about Spencer Webb uh, just a second ago. Now I want to talk about Patrick Herbert, redshirt freshman, good, strong uh, tight end number, number 81. I like that. Six foot five. Uh, he's actually listed on the University Athletics website as 251 which uh, puts him up from 221 pounds in high school. He was a four-star recruit from Sheldon, and for those of you uninitiated listeners, he is Justin Herbert's little brother. He was a three-way player in high school. As a punter, he he played in 14 games uh, out of out of 30 possible games, 
having 16 punts for 651 yards, averaging 40 over 40 yards a punt. And as a defensive lineman, he he played in 25 of a possible 30 games, had 151 total tackles, 24 tackles for a loss, nine sacks, 14 QB hurries, and four forced fumbles. And as a tight end, uh, he played in all 30 games, had 99 receptions for 1,559 yards and 22 touchdowns. He's the 162nd overall player in the nation and the number six tight end in the in the country. And last year is a true freshman. He he appeared in a couple games uh, with no action. Yeah, I mean we talked earlier about Matt Mariota and and uh, famous last names and and this one certainly sticks out to all of us as as you noted. Uh, I think Patrick Herbert is going to be an incredibly accomplished tight end by the end of his career at the University of Oregon obviously comes from a great lineage but just in terms of you look at a guy not even not just his jersey number his physical stature his speed his hands like he seems like he's going to be an absolute weapon at the tight end position I'm interested he bulked up clearly as you noted uh, from high school and so uh, hopefully and and probably all throughout this last year as he redshirted he's been learning and and getting better and better in terms of blocking and the physical the physical nature of the tight end position but uh, I'm just excited to see him go out for some seam routes like Jacob Breeland and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, make make it look like like Herbert to Breeland again is now shuck to Herbert and uh, uh, I think that's going to be really exciting, especially as those two kind of step into more prominent roles in the offense together. I think that uh, I absolutely agree. And I think that when you see such strong performances as a, a special teams player, or not, not just a special teams player, a punter, as well as a, a defense, a defensive lineman and, uh, and a tight end, it shows an overall athleticism that has huge upside potential. You know, it really speaks to the the lineage, the the Herbert lineage there, and mm-hmm. and a, a bright bright future for his development as a very large, very athletic tight end. Uh, I want to step over to Tyler Nanny, uh, redshirt freshman, six foot seven, two hundred and fifty pounds, from Amador Valley High School in Pleasant, California. He played only one season of football down there doesn't have a 24-7 composite ranking. Uh, he did play four years of basketball and was a walk-on at the University of Oregon. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Nanny, I, I noted it in my blog, I didn't have much to say about him, especially because of the lack of the football uh, that, that he had in high school. But uh, you know that the, the best tight ends in the history of football, pro- college or professional, they all played basketball too. And they're all incredibly accomplished basketball players. Uh, uh, I think that is definitely something that uh, makes him a weapon. Makes him uh, compared with or paired with his height. It makes him exciting to kind of figure out if and when he ever steps into a more prominent role within the offense. Uh, but I, I don't know if we're gonna expect to see a ton of Tyler Nanny maybe this year or. Uh, in the coming years, because there's such a young group uh, in Webb and Herbert kind of in front of him. But uh, who knows? Maybe we see unfortunate things happen with uh, Breland and McCormick last year, and the young guys have to step into a more prominent role. And, and Tyler Nanny's just going to have to be ready for that if and when next guy up is the, the call. Yeah, in fact, I think bringing on Nanny uh, to add depth here has as much to do with... Uh, uh, insurance policy on Cam McCormick, as does uh, bringing DJ Johnson back over 
from uh, the defense. He was a four-star composite uh, recruit from Luther Burbank High School in Sacramento. He played defensive end and outside linebacker in high school. In 33 games, he had 225 total tackles, uh, 38 and a half sacks, which is that's a that's a sack monster in high school. Well, that's a sack monster anywhere. 62 QB hurries and 12 forced fumbles. Tons of offers, including, uh, I mean, I, I could just say got offers from all the schools, but but notably <laughs> Notre Dame, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, all the Pac-12 schools. He actually enrolled at Miami in 2017, and as a freshman there, he played on the defensive line, played in eight games, and had three total tackles. Transferred to the University of Oregon in 2018 and sat out due to that transfer rule that uh, uh, we'll be seeing change this summer. And in 2019, last season, he played in 13 games, had 14 total tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. And now he's putting on another strong tight end number. He's putting on the the 89 and assuming the position for us at tight end. Yeah, I definitely, something that I wrote up, I I called DJ Johnson a a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, Uh, especially, (laughs) especially with this movement from linebacker defensive end to the tight end position. I don't, I don't know if uh, uh, anybody has really seen a ton of him pass catching, but uh, I think we we mentioned Hunter Campmore last time and and his uh, experience in on the defensive side of the ball and how powerful a blocker that makes him. I can't imagine that DJ Johnson is going to be any weaker uh, in terms of a blocker. I think that's where really his strength is probably going to be. He can surely develop as an offensive weapon or as a as a little uh, outlet to Tyler Shuck if something were to ever uh, uh, in the offense some, we were ever to need him. But I think DJ Johnson really, because he's such a physical defensive mind, uh, I think right now where his strength really lies is in the blocking. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think this is a really interesting depth chart. I think we have clear uh, number one slash one A's, as you like to put it, with uh, Camp Moyer and McCormick. Spencer Webb, uh, a solid third option. And then we have an opportunity to really see uh, backup, you know, if, there, if there's good garbage time or even uh, an injury, good opportunity to step up from Herbert, Nanny, and Johnson. Absolutely. And, and I think it's also worth it to know that uh, when we think of starters, Mario Cristobal is, is pretty flexible, maybe not in the uh, the obviously not in the quarterback position, but he usually plays about six offensive linemen throughout a game, and and he usually plays all three of the running backs, if not more, uh, and and a ton of wide receivers, and and so I think we can expect a good amount of rotation, and and maybe we don't have to wait till garbage time to see Patrick Herbert, but uh, we'll 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 see a lot of them. Coming up next, we're going to go ahead and begin the offensive line, and I'm going to do this in order of uh, Rob Mosley's projected depth chart on the U Athletics website. So when we wrap up the offensive line tomorrow on tomorrow's show, we can talk about some specific depth. All right, welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and I'm here with James Voss of jamesvoss.net. We just finished talking about the tight ends, and I want to go ahead and address the offensive line. And So in 2019, last season, we had the most experienced offensive line in college, uh, in the nation. And there were some really key departures. Uh, of course, we talked a lot about Shane Lemieux, Jake Hansen, and Brady Aiello, and Calvin Throckmorton because of their NFL pickups. But uh, we also uh, don't want to lose sight of the fact that George Moore, uh, Dallas Warmack, uh, Charlie Landgraf, that, that these guys are uh, moving on. And especially at that right guard position, uh, we don't have nearly the depth we did last season. 
Yeah, obviously, uh, that was the one of the huge strengths of this team last year was that Mario Cristobal was bringing in an incredibly experienced offensive line, and and Lemieux and Warmack and Aiello and Throckmorton were really and Hanson were all part of that core six uh, that that were all rotating through and and really contributed. Aiello even uh, caught a touchdown early in the season, right. and and just like a huge part of the culture and the leadership. Uh, of this team and and the offensive line has looked to especially on such a run heavy physical team the offensive line has looked to as that leader uh, right alongside the quarterback and and the quarterback trusted them with their with his life obviously they played together uh, throughout their careers and and so when you see such a senior heavy offensive line depart it's pretty you'd think it's pretty uh, uh, disheartening. Uh, and, and it is, surely there's a lot of holes to be filled, but if there was ever a scenario in which losing five out of the six core offensive linemen on your team uh, was a okay one, or at least salvageable, it would be that scenario where the returning offensive lineman happens to be the best interior offensive lineman, best interior lineman in all of college football. And that's who I want to talk about uh, first is Pede Sewell. The, the man is uh, a, a phenom at six foot six, 330 pounds. He was a four-star recruit, a highly rated four-star recruit from Desert Hills High School in St. George. Uh, that's in Utah. Uh, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I've been to St. George for the senior game, so I don't know if everybody knows. Anyway, I, I digress with the Bill Walton uh, uh, School of Podcasting there. Uh, 57th best athlete in the nation, uh, number two offensive tackle in the nation, had offers from dozens of schools, including the whole Pac-12, Alabama, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. And, you know, other than uh, LaMike James and Marcus Mariota, he's the only uh, Oregon football player to be a unanimous first-team All-American selection. Last season, he won the Outland Trophy, which is like the best offensive lineman in the country award, and he's the first Oregon player ever to win it. He only allowed a single sack in over 1,300 snaps over his first two years, and his true freshman year, he was the top-rated freshman offensive lineman and the number two lineman in the Pac-12, number seven in the nation, and had all-conference honors, played in seven games with no penalties and only one sack, injured for six games with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, I think I saw I saw something on here or on uh, Twitter. I think it was by one of my favorite uh, uh, Duck fan accounts, Owen12. And uh, he he said, John Heisman was an offensive tackle. Why couldn't Penny Sewell win the Heisman Trophy? Why why don't we think about it? We think about the, the running backs and the quarterbacks and maybe even wide receivers in the conversation. And, and they always seem to throw in like a Chase Young or a, a Jabril Peppers into the conversation just to make, the, make it interesting. But I think Penny Sewell is definitely up there in terms of best college football player in the country. Whether or not that that actually makes him a realistic chance for the Heisman Trophy probably doesn't, but invaluable kind of kind of all American. He's going to be an all American again, uh, uh, barring injury, and which he did face in his freshman year, as you mentioned. And and he's just an absolute leader. He's going to be an anchor on this offensive line, an anchor for the whole team. Uh, he's he gets fired up. He brought on his little brother. Uh, he's he's bought into the culture. He's I, you can't say enough wonderful things about Penny Sewell, I think. Uh, I'm going to say a couple more things. I, 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 I want to mention his <laughs> sophomore season, just because these numbers are astounding. Uh, they're, they're always worth repeating. Uh, highest overall graded offensive lineman in pro football focus history with a 95.5% rating. 
first in the nation in run blocking with over 95%, third in the nation in pass blocking, and a four-time Pac-12 Offensive Lineman of the Week. He allowed only seven pressures and two QB hits and no sacks, uh, playing playing as a, a full season last year. And he's definitely going to be the number one drafted tackle in the 2021 draft. Mm-hmm. And In fact, some mocks have him as a, a top five overall pick. So we want to make the best of his participation uh, because he'll probably be declaring he'll be declaring after next uh, next season. Yes. And uh, we obviously wish him the best. And we talked a, a great deal about our strength and depth at the running back position. And and I think he's going to lead the way for so many wonderful C.J. Verdell highlight highlight runs uh, as he already has. And he's going to be a huge protection, huge insurance policy for Tyler Shuck in breaking in a young quarterback. It, it, I am beyond excited to watch Penny Sewell kind of take over the college football landscape this year. It's going to be really great, really great for Oregon. And what Mario Cristobal is doing with this offensive line, obviously we've talked about his uh, his legacy as an as a offensive lineman at Miami and their, during their championship run in the 90s and uh, how successful he's been at transforming the offensive line into – uh, just uh, uh, something that can absolutely compete with the, you know, that playoff conversation every year. And uh, because of the COVID-19 abridged offseason, it's going to be really important to have uh, men like Panay with their level of leadership and experience to know that we have people who are self-motivating and can, you know, be able to be doing workouts right now. And, you know, when they can't be forced to go to a facility for X number of hours a week. Next up, I want to talk about Jonah Tawanu and uh, Twitter listeners out there. Please uh, correct the pronunciation. Hashtags ask Lodpod. All right. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and I'm here with James Voss from jamesvoss.net. And we're breaking down and reviewing the offensive line for the 2020 season. Having a lot of fun. We just talked about Panay Sewell, one of my uh, one of my heroes. Next up, uh, we're talking about Jonah Tawanu, a redshirt freshman, uh, left tackle, six foot five, three hundred and five pounds, a four-star composite recruit from Narbonne High School in Harbor City, California. Uh, he's the number sixty-three athlete in the nation, the ninth-ranked offensive tackle, huge growth spurt in high school, very athletic for his size, plays very nasty, very physical good, strong feet that he can grow into with the right training. Uh, did have offers from Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Washington, OSU, Florida. He he enrolled at the University of Oregon June of last year. Huge potential upside with Cristobal's O-line coaching and a guy like Panay to play behind in uh, <clears throat> huge potential upside with Mirabal's O-line coaching and Cristobal's head coaching and a, a guy like Panay to play behind. Uh, 2021 starter and a potential NFL prospect right here. Yeah, Jonah's arrival is a huge testament to the kind of uh, offensive line recruiting focus that Mario Cristobal obviously brings to this program and and the kind of uh, culture he wants to build here. Uh, And while he definitely, uh, Penne has 25 pounds on him in front of him, uh, uh, he's a he's a little smaller, but he's still a little young, and and he's got some time for this season to really play development, uh, to really play behind, uh, probably very much uh, someone who's up there uh, with might be the best left tackle in the history of the program. Uh, he can play right behind Penne, learn from him, learn from his leadership, uh, and really be ready to step in uh, once Penne heads to the NFL draft. 
Totally agree. And I, and I think we have this left tackle position addressed, you know, the, the quarterback's blind side is, is one of the most, if not the most important position along the line. Uh, let's talk about, uh, left guards, uh, next, uh, <laughs> next up, I'm going to, uh, take on the pronunciation of this name, Malasala Amavai Laulu. We can use M-A-L, uh, like I, I really liked the way you did that on the <laughs> blog. Uh, a redshirt junior, six foot six, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Now, twenty-four sports had him at six seven and three forty-five. So, uh, you know, I, sometimes these heights and weights get interesting. In fact, I, I'm reminded of uh, I don't know if you're a fan of pro wrestling or the fans of pro wrestling out there are familiar with a sh- uh, build height weight and a shoot height weight, right? Like Undertaker's, you know, seven foot five and four hundred pounds and <laughs> Really, he's like, you know, 6'10 or something. So that's mm-hmm. that's what sometimes I see these discrepancies. And I think we ought to talk about shoot height, which is the the real the real height weight. He was a four-star recruit from Liberty High School in Henderson, Nevada. Number one ranked tackle. Number five overall athlete in junior college. Higher early potential as a guard, but he can back up other positions uh, because he, he played tackle. Transferred from Navarro College. Had offers from Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Oklahoma, TCU, and at least a dozen others. Enrolled at the University of Oregon in January of last year and uh, taking first-team reps at the guard position for a few the few practices they were able to, to have this spring. Yeah, and uh, uh, MAL, as we'll call him for short, uh, he's a JC transfer, and, and we'll talk about TJ Bass, who's also come from junior college, and, and you've mentioned it, we've mentioned it tons of times already throughout these previews, is this abridged offseason, it's really going to be valuable with guys who have had live ball, at least live college football experience, and uh, as you'll see, like with a handful of other names throughout this depth chart, like just because we've lost so much strength and depth and experience in the five out of six offensive linemen who offensive linemen who've departed this year uh, doesn't mean that there aren't still guys on this on this roster, especially in these JC transfers that couldn't step in with at least a significant amount more experience than say someone stepping if it was like a true freshman redshirt freshman coming straight out of high school. That's going to do it for now. Tomorrow we're going to pick it up with Sam Putasi. Super excited about this offensive line. Really good stuff. But uh, we got to go ahead and call it a day for now. Don't forget, next week is uh, What If Week, and we're going to be kicking off McCormick Monday. So go ahead and get in those What If scenarios on Twitter with the hashtags AskLodPod. You know, what if Chip Kelly never went to go to the NFL? Uh, what if COVID-19 didn't happen, and what would the NCAA tournament look like, and, and stuff like that. Uh, thanks for joining me again, James. Uh, look forward to having you on the show again tomorrow. Do you want to tell the good listeners where they can find you at? Yeah, I mean, they can find me at uh, my Twitter. I tweet a lot of stuff there. It's either duck stuff or West Wing quotes, and uh, uh, at who's the boss, uh, V-O-S. So uh, find me there, and uh, you can see what other nonsense I'm tweeting about. I'm Jordan Long, your host, and this is Locked on Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis. You can follow the show at Locked on Ducks. You can find me on Twitter at the Dustoff Guy. Uh, what do you think of the tight ends and offensive line breakdown? Who do you think should start? Uh, send us uh, possible depth charts. Also, get those questions in, like I said, for next week, next week's what-if scenarios. Do uh, check out the Facebook page like that, and you can always email me, LockedOnDucks at gmail.com. Click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you listen to so you can get the newest content the minutes it's available. And go ahead and on Apple Podcasts, rate the show five out of five stars. Leave some show reviews. We'll go ahead and read them during our listener spotlight. 
That's it for Locked on Ducks. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, hosted by Chad and John Hollinger. They trade scouting reports on potential lottery picks for the 2020 NBA draft. Say, hey, she who shall not be named, play podcast Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Have a great day. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Remember to be happy during these crazy times. Thank you. Love y'all. And go Ducks. (laughs) 